Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal sending, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, I'm not used to the cold open. I'm going to say it every week for the next month and a half until something finally changes, and I hate it. But the people have told me they like your little intro, so I'm happy that as well. Okay, well, thank you to the people. Uh, uh, it it was actually fun making that. I was telling Ben before the show in terms of like what I get to do for like sort of a living. I don't know. I feel like it's partial. Still, it still feels like a side project, although it's not because like I'm so invested in like building the EGM brand, the goalie science brand and stuff. Uh, I love doing this. Like I, right now, I have to go to a PT clinic and work, pay to work with people for free for 40 hours a week. And I pay a lot. Like it's not like a paltry sum of money. It's a lot of money. And it it's good. Like I like the patients and stuff, but also like I'm kind of over that. This is the highlight of my day. So thank you to those that listen and thank you to those that like the intro because it was fun. I like doing those little things like making an intro and editing videos and all that kind of stuff and joining in the discourse on TPS and why TPS should, <laughs> should still be around. Yeah, I'm actually really happy we accidentally went down that rabbit hole because the people, again, just like the people love the intro, people really love TPS equipment, which uh, admittedly I didn't see coming, to be honest. Um, but thank you. Yeah, everyone, there was a really, really healthy discussion around all the good stuff around TPS equipment. If anyone hasn't checked it out, go check it out on Jamie's Instagram page. Uh, a lot of people, including one of the original creators of TPS equipment, one of the fabricators himself, the designers, 
weighing in on some interesting topics on that one. So some yep. interesting stuff definitely in the pipeline for us to talk about in the future. And maybe one of the original creators will be on the pod. I don't know. Uh, 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 boilers. Oh, okay. Um, also, my ears are just ringing because so I went to a concert last night. It was like a small local show of a band from Wales that I really like. Uh, sad and angry music is those that don't know. That's usually what I listen to. Sad and angry. Sometimes loud and loud and sad, and sometimes loud and angry. But this one was sorry. This one was sad and loud. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit that I need to start wearing earplugs. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's so like. When I was younger and like, you know, you'd go into like a mosh pit or something, like you just thought you were cool and I need to wear earplugs. My, it may was so loud. Um, and I need to protect the, the old cilia fibers of my hair. <laughs> this is a, this is an official or first PSA of the day, but yeah, if you're going to a, a small, actually pretty much any venue where you're going to be close enough to the speakers, yeah, wear headphones it, or wear earplugs. It doesn't really deter any of the experience, but it is a lot better yeah. to hear. So. While I was sitting there listening to just like noise, uh, because my ears were buzzing the whole time, I realized I probably could have enjoyed it more with the earplugs because it actually did start to hurt my ears a little bit. Like, that, yeah. I don't know if that's a sign saying like, Jamie, you're getting old or it's just like, it was just loud. Could have been probably both. Um, earplugs, definitely. I probably do another show, I think, end of the month. I don't know who was playing. We came as Romans, maybe. I don't know. Ooh, fun. Yeah. So Ben also sometimes likes loud and angry music. Yeah, similar overlap. But mm -hmm. what I also like, Jamie, is talking about in-season practice structure and talking about how goalies act in in-season training and what responsibilities and what recommendations we have now that we're fully underway. So October 1st, we're recording this. It's time to talk about in-season, yeah. Jamie. Let's get you do love talking about practice structure. Uh, to be fair, you presented on topics and you are really invested in this. Um, so I'm going to let also you take, my research. So. Yeah. I'm going to let you take the, the dive on that because that is more your expertise. But before we do that, let's talk about training volume for goalies. Because uh, I know now that I work with many, many goalies from different organizations all over the western side of Michigan. And actually, a lot of goalies have been driving in. So thank you to those goalies that drive in to come ski with me. Don't You don't have to skate that much. Or as much as you're skating. Dial it back a bit. I'm just going to say that straight up. Like, dial it back a bit. Two times a day, every day, from 14 to, you know, kind of where at, so 20. That is a lot. That is a lot. And what, what frustrates me sometimes is you'll get some guy, guys that will skate in the morning. And then they will skate again in the afternoon or evening and their afternoon evening skates are crap because they're tired and they've already worked out twice. Um, man, like manager, manager, your training volume to me, I'd say once a day is plenty, a good training session, um, either immediately before or after your skate or a few hours away from like between your, your skate is ideal where you're not trying to kill yourself in the season. It's just like, you're not trying to crush your legs. You're not trying to be on the floor, sucking, like sucking wind. You're in there. It's maintenance. You're trying to maintain your, you know, your progress you made in the off season. Um, I don't really know. I think a lot of it does come from like people think they need to, like, they think more is better. 
And oftentimes more is not better. I've had this conversation actually probably about five times in the last couple of weeks where if you're like a hockey parent or goalie parent listening and you're, you might be thinking, well, the little Johnny, who's the captain on the team, his parents have him in skills and this and this. Don't worry. Don't worry. Like it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about playing the long game. And actually the podcast that I just sent out, that's kind of the, the message of it is playing the long game. It's not about how good are you going to get next week. It's about how good are you going to be in eight to 10 years when you look back and you're like, okay, now I'm playing pro hockey or college hockey or whatever. All that work was good, but you can't get there if your hips are constantly hurting or you're tweaking your groin all the time or you're, you know, you're just generally exhausted and you burn out. So it's, I, I it sucks to see sometimes that I get like young kids are like, oh, my hips are hurting every single day. How much time? How often do you, when did the last time you skate? Well, this morning. Oh, well, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. So for for those who are maybe newer to the podcast, appreciate you for hopping on. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I do hockey training load research as part of one of my jobs. Uh, <laughs> it's stuff that we try to understand is, is how much, uh, how does practice affect how we recover, how we train, what does different practices look like, how does that affect, you know, players, forwards, defense, goalies. It's the work that we do. Uh, it's really, really fun, and it's really interesting. It really ties into what Jamie's talking about here, where a lot of practices, um, especially at like a team level, are you know, on, in goalie land. They're not always always geared at goalies, which means that a lot of the time we try to play catch up by getting more ice because you feel like you know you're not doing enough by how those standards work. Sometimes, especially in season, you know, it might be a, a systems practice where you feel like you don't get a lot of work as a goalie, and that can be frustrating. And so we try to play catch up sometimes. We have to be aware of that, that that's still a lot of time on ice, right? And there is something to be said just about the volume of you being on the ice, being engaged with the mental part and the physical part uh, involved with all of that. And so, yeah, you, you don't need to be on the ice for 15 hours a week. In fact, I would strongly discourage that. Uh, at some point there is what we call diminishing returns, right? Where you know, there's value in, in practice, but what we know from motor learning and skill acquisition research is that if you're just practicing without the intent of like, without having good focus, without having good ability, like actually going through proper technical demands, that's not really that helpful in the long run um, for skill development, right? Like we, there's this idea of deliberate practice that requires it to be demanding that requires it to be intentful and requires it to be purposeful. And if you're not really meeting those standards and demanding could be kind of like a, a sub, bit of subjective one, but if you're not meeting that intentful and purposeful standard of what your skates are doing, you're probably, it's probably not worthwhile anyway. It's, it's probably just taking up time out of your day and, and making you tired, right? Like if you're at a practice and you just do 150 butterflies and you skate around and you don't think about what you're doing, does that really help you, Jamie? What do you think? No, I mean, it's, it's looking at, it's like, do you want, you're practicing for the sake of practicing or you want deliberate practice? And it does suck because again, like things are not geared towards goalies. Um, however, the one caveat that I would say is if you have a short, when I say short, I mean like less than 45 minute goal each session, say in the morning, and then you have practice in the afternoon, as long as your goalie coach understands that you are also skating later. I, I think that that might be the one um, 
the one kind of caveat that I have where you can get away. Fine. Yeah, where you can get away with it. But it's like when you were getting just shot after shot after shot after shot after shot, you're standing there. And the problem is too, is that this, I was actually saving this for another pod and we can get into later, was like practice habits with goalies. You can't, it's hard, it's hard to have good practice habits when you're going to skate, you know, you're going to skate for two to three hours and it's just shot after shot after shot after shot. And eventually it's like, you can't go down. You can't try on every shot because you just, it would be so exhausting. And then that's when you get bad habits and then you get bad habits, creeps into your game and then your habits then become issues like your goals and then you come to your goalie coach and your goalie coach has to work those habits out and then it's a continuous cycle because it's harder to excuse me it's harder to progress and so it's like there's there's a lot of layers to it it's just you don't have to skate that much i wish i could like emphasize it unless especially if it's a general practice you can have a skill session where it's like you're really focusing in say you're focusing in on tracking and you're doing most of your stuff from your knees or it's like one movement or two movements into set then you're making your save and then you just come back and it's not very exhausting in terms of like a zero to ten scale or an ip scale of ten being like the most exhausting zero being nothing you're at like a four or five you're not even getting up to that seven or eight um and then you save that seven or eight for the practice at night because i like when like and i want you to get into the practice structure in terms of flow drills and stuff but I want to make sure my goalies have enough left in the tank that when they get in the two on ones, three on twos, battle drills, like the drills that, and I'm going to say it, the drills that actually matter, um, they're able to really try and really dial it in because that's the type of reps they're going to see in a game. So if they can, or sorry, situations they're going to see in a game. So if they can get those game like reps in practice, that is how you're going to get better. Guys just coming in, shooting, shooting, like the rapid three shot and all this nonsense. Like, I wish we could just like, I wish you could just be like, no goalies. Or like every team should have a mandatory goalie coach where it's like, you're going to do those drills for players. Goalies, you go to the middle of the ice and you do simple stuff or you go to the other end of the ice and do simple stuff. Um, unfortunately, it's not the case. Although, you know what? To be fair, Fox Motors gives me a lot of uh, leeway with my goalies. So when I come on a skate with them, I get them all to myself. Yeah, that's unfortunate in the same respect. But when I go out and work with teams, I get the same thing, So which is really nice. But yeah, uh, the one thing I really wanted to say, and you you hammered it home a few seconds ago, is that a responsibility for goalies, and this is what I wanted to talk about as part of practice structure, like a responsibility for goalies at practice is ensuring that you're using your energy properly, that you're being intentful with what your team's practice structure looks like, right? There's something that really does, it correctly just bothers me, is when I'll watch goalies burn themselves out on the first 20 minutes of practice that's like warm up and flow, and they're, you know, they're butterflying in every shot. They're moving across. They're doing like a full 100% max effort on these drills. And then by the time we get into, you know, like you said, odd man rush drills that are a little more paced, or we get into in-zone work, small area games, there's there's not enough gas left in the tank. And it's like, that is the stuff that is where we know that you're going to do bet more realistic learning. And so what that is, fancy term. We just call it representative design, right? Like how closely does the design of a drill mimic the demands of a game that includes the pacing that includes the, you know, the threat distance, right? So like a flow drill is one of the least representative drills you can think of. Like it almost, it pretty much doesn't happen in games, which means if you're a goalie on a team that does pretty much only flow, and I don't think there's too, too many teams, especially as you get older that only do that younger there's definitely lots and lots and lots of flow 
goalies need to learn to how to turn that into a realistic situation, right? Yeah. And or sorry, if you're not turning to a realistic situation, what do you get out of it? We talked about this all the time, Jamie. Uh, you can turn any flow drill into a tracking drill by sitting on your goal line, basically, yeah. and trying to track everything, right? That's a simple, simple fix. You might need to communicate that with your coaches, but that's a one fix that I recommend to every goalie. Goalies do not like to listen to me on this one. No. And the thing is, I, I, I'm going to interject because yeah. I would not have listened to you either. Um, also, like, it's, it's hard because when I was in college, if you did not try in every single shot, you were not going to get an opportunity to play and it was dumb. But sometimes that's just the way it goes. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think a lot of that, especially in the younger minor hockey, like, honestly, like, no one really cares about practice. No one really cared about my practice habits in minor hockey and junior hockey. Um, other than the goalie coaches. So listen to us on this one. Take advantage of those, like said, like Ben said, stand in your goal line, turn them into tracking. When you have those drills where it's like three shots in a row, like I'm rapid shots in a row, the first two, just like track, track. That second one, dial it in. So then you can conserve energy. You know, you're only putting in 33%. It's rather than just like pushing, 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 pushing. You're not getting anything out of it. So if you can, but when we say track, like I just want to, you can make sure that we're not talking about just like, just let it come by, hit you. We're talking about maybe, yeah, maybe you're not going down in the butterfly, but your head and shoulders are watching everything in. Your hands are diving in. Your eyes are engaged. So you are getting something out of it. It's just not as physically taxing on your body. We're, we're never going to be advocates for wasting time or being lazy. This is an excuse for being lazy. This is us managing our energy and getting something out of possibly nothing. And so you have drills that don't replicate really anything. However, there are pucks coming at you. We can benefit by making the net larger behind us. So now we have to reach our hands more. We have to be more patient. Maybe you do want to go down, but you're, you're challenging yourself by really making sure that you're not going down on high shots and you're able to hold your feet. Like there's things that you can do and so I don't like, I know that there's going to be someone that's going to like, we're going to give them an inch and they're going to take a mile. Yeah. We're not, we're not advocates for being lazy. Yes, we do get frustrated. We complain about practice. Let us do the complaining. You goalies at home do the stopping pucks. And if you need ideas or suggestions, you can always reach out. Or if your coach doesn't like get it, one, you can let them listen to this podcast or honestly, just have your coach reach out to us. I've actually spoken with a few coaches on teams that, yeah. They're like, hey, my goalie parent says you should do this. And I go, okay, well, like this, this is kind of the reason why. And just think about it long-term. And I, I, I would, I can do a good job to, uh, like convincing parents. So, yeah. and coaches goalie. I think, yeah. And Jamie, I want to ask you this one too. You're walk, you're out of practice. You're, you know, you're coaching teams doing like a warm up, a flow drill or whatever. Scale from zero to 10. How much would it irk you to see your goalie? like two feet out from their top of their crease on the flow drill, not having any retreat, just standing at the top because they know the player is just going to come shoot at them. Cause it's probably my, it's a, it's about, I'm, yeah, it drives me nuts because it, it's the worst of all worlds, right? You're not playing that situation. If you're simulating that to be a realistic situation, you're not playing it realistically anymore. You're no longer getting, like you're not, you're just stopping a puck on a like an artificially small net on a player who sometimes will probably just skate around you anyway or shoot from really close. And it's just like now no one, the shooter's not getting something from this, the goalie's not getting something. You're, you're never playing that situation like that. And you're not working on a specific skill intently. 
just don't I, do that. Don't. I know. There's just there's the thing is too is there's just so many layers. There's just so many layers to the conversation, and I I you know what again, there are like a lot of more teams. I've actually seen less flow drills here. Although it might be different because when I come and skate with the teams, I get like the first 30 minutes. Um, but so far there's been less flow as an average. So I'm hoping that that is like changing across the board and like USA hockey, hockey Canada are starting to do that. But I, I, I really highly doubt it. Um, I decided to promote that, but I don't know. Yes. You can make, make something out of nothing. You can make. Yeah something out of nothing and so we we are we are really trying to be advocates for finding different ways to make practice purposeful even if the drills are not specifically tailored to you um although there was a practice i was at and that they were literally the drill was legit one-timers from the circle i think you're the goalie should get out of the net I'll be honest. I think the goalie should I, get out of the net. I'm fine with that. I you or look you, yeah. Or like what I, when I do goalie skates, I usually let guys take one timers, but I say they have to be below the waist. Yeah, that's my rule because you should learn how to read a really try to read a release off a one timer. Be able to adapt. Okay, the guy's on the one time side. What does that mean? You know, maybe he fumbles it. I need to adjust. I need to hold my feet. And so it's really important to be able to handle those. But guys are just getting. Crazy rushed in the face so it's oh, the worst so yeah the, just keep it below the keep it below the waist and if you're a player for some reason you're a player listening to this goalie podcast stop there stop stop shooting your goalie's head in one timers stop taking yeah stop taking one timers from 12 feet away and trying to go bar down on a goalie who's gonna get there and just yeah. absolutely smoking them in the collarbone or smoking does them it matter like you practicing one timers with a goalie in the net versus with a goalie not in the net it doesn't matter just practice with a goalie not in the net so you can go try to go bar down post in it doesn't change at all like whether the goalie is there or not the net's in the same spot trust me you're not changing your one timer location around where the goalie is because the, the, the one side of the net's all the way open it's you're always trying to go basically short side post in or you're trying to be patient going about crossbody. Yeah, like goalies don't really need to be in the net for that. No. I actually had an interesting conversation with someone. I should, I, you know what? And I, I, I was a coward. I should have pulled the goalies and I didn't. I was a coward. <laughs> uh, we'll say the, we'll say it for a different time. But there's something also, again, like for, you know, there's parents, there's goalies, there's sometimes coaches listening to this too, right? Something that we should be able to, you know, it's a goalie science podcast. I mean, I brought a little science with us this morning. Um, there is the largest body of research on team sport development is in soccer. We say it all the time. We bring up soccer like once a month when we talk about hockey because soccer, super research forward, uh, lots of money involved. Hockey, also a sport. There is lots of money involved, but from the side of the player and their parents, not as much yeah. from governing bodies who stand to lose money. If people ever realize hockey may not be good for you, did I say that aloud? No, it's fine. Stop. No, did I say that? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't hear anything. People should continue Ed, Ed, funding my research it. thing. Thank you to cut, all. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> no. So I want to talk about this because there's something really interesting that is in. If anyone who you know also plays soccer or plays soccer, they are the best sport for small area games. They are so good at creating what we call constrained environments. 
So forcing players to work within uh, artificially small areas that makes them do things differently, right? So you can set up drills that are designed to, you know, simulate situations by just shrinking the area, right? Yeah. Uh, hockey needs to do more of that. It needs to do lots more of it. And I know that Hockey Canada has made at least a push to have more of that included. But there's a really big argument that is seen in soccer um, that I think can be translated to hockey. And there's a couple of papers on this, so maybe we'll link them later. But your small area games, first of all, one small area games get goalies involved very, 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 very much like they would have in an actual game. Plays in tight, they're adapting, they're moving out of their net even in, in a much more dynamic way than just, okay, here comes another rush, right? Like it's the most realistic way goalies will have a dynamic in and out of the net experience is by getting them involved in like a small area game, you know, where the puck is constantly, you know, going 15 feet and then turning around, right, attack in tight. So it always almost kind of replicates a D zone situation. But what that stuff shows is quickly you can isolate what skills need to be worked on from a team perspective, right? So, okay, our team's not making passes uh, in tight or they're trying to pass too much. And you can change kind of the rules of your game and it really allows for the development of the players. But it also is the best situation for a goalie in practice outside of doing like a really structured like power play or drill, really. Because when you're doing five on five in zone, Jamie, how often in practice do you really get any work? It's like a turnover battle in the corner, which is fine. That's what the game is like, but you're not getting but the same. Or the drill is like meant for like, oh, and then one player is going to shoot and everyone else kind of like backs away. Yeah. Right. So this is my piece of advice to, to the coaches. And this is, I always say this to goalies too. Like if you have a good relationship with your coach, bring this up, say, Hey, we want to, like, I think that like, I would like to see more small area games. It's where you can actually battle and get some good habits. Uh, because one thing that I find, Jamie, this is going to be kind of my transition point, but I wanted to talk about this is we'll have goalies, you know, in a, in a goalie setting, like a private goalie setting and their battling will be really good. You know what I mean? They'll like they'll take good lines to pucks. They'll battle hard. It's great. You then remove them one layer and you put them in a practice, and it becomes a little scramblier. And you're like, okay, that's okay. Why is it scrambly? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you've changed the environment. It's not as controlled anymore, and now those good habits kind of go away. And that's part of practice. You need to be able as a goalie to translate your work from goalie coaching work, your private stuff, into into practice and then in the game. But it's all of them. Yeah, right? I think the disconnect happens from goalie goalie practice to games because we don't have enough time to really practice it seriously in a team practice where there is less of a controlled environment right yeah we set the stage as goalie coaches for goalies to do better work in their team practice Mm -hmm. which is why part of this conversation is there's a responsibility as a goalie to get something out of your team practice even if you don't think it's perfect but also be a vocal part of you know, can you communicate with coaches about what drills would be beneficial for you? If you're a coach listening, huge, small side of games. It's one of the best things for skill development, for creativity, both for your players and your goalies. So I know I just said a lot of stuff there, Jamie. So yeah, there, there is a lot uh, for me to kind of like dive in. First is someone once actually said like, Hey, like how come, like, how come you guys always use soccer research? Ben just said it. Also sport is sport. Sport is sport and a skill acquisition is typically the same across like basically our bodies are all the same regardless of what you play so we can draw different um we can draw from different sports because your body's going to learn however so like small area and soccer is going to be the same for smaller hockey i do know that like hockey canada hockey usa have the smaller nets for younger kids i do think they need to add in a medium-sized net uh, i was actually talking about this same. with Bouge. 
with Bouge because yep. Bouge's kid, uh, Weston, who's a good little goalie in his own, he's now graduated to the full size net. And so he's given up goal. Way too big of a jump. And the kids learn how to shoot a little bit faster than the goalies can ad- adapt. And so they just flick it right over. Uh, it's a too big of a jump. Add in a medium size net. Yes, I know that there is an investment in that and that sucks. But if Hockey Canada and USA Hockey really want to continue developing athletes in a way that we would say is intelligent, add a middle, middle, middle size net. Um, it's worth it. Then after that, um, what else did you say? I, I lost track. <laughs> I was mainly talking about how um, the main focus, again, like of your practice is to be able to transfer skills and work on game realistic skills. And smaller games are, you get the most touches as a goalie. Oh, that's what I was of intensity of frequent touches, right? Yeah. So actually, I was working on smothering hands this week with a lot of my goalies, just trying to just get the basics in early. And when I think about my game, like I always say, objectively, I was a pretty good goalie subjectively i was terrible yes subjectively <laughs> i was terrible um but i was really good at battles and tight and i think about why that contributed yes because i'm long and lanky and six foot four but i'm also not like super flexible and i don't seal the bottom of the ice well but when i look at the training that i did i spent a lot of time at bujan or it's on ice performance center now but bujan like goaltending in his in his small area full ice doing those two three-on-three drills. And so, yes, when I got older, we turned into like battles and tight and stuff. But when I was a kid, we just have two-on-two small area battle games. And unbeknownst to me at the time, because I was just having fun, that allowed me to build up instinct and train instinct and create like a bank, like a, a bank of memories and pattern recognition in terms of what typically happens in a battle situation with both forwards and deep. And because of that, I became really good at battle. Like in tight, I was really, really good. Shots from outside, uh, <laughs> those are fine. Yeah, I, I had some times where I, I wasn't my best, but in tight battles, I was very, 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 very good. And I, I attribute that to those small areas. And huge. When I look at practice that I had growing up, like the like team practice. There maybe was one small area game of practice, maybe once every two or three days, like not as much maybe. as there is now. Yeah. There's definitely, to the coach's credits now, there is definitely way more. Um, but for me, I was able to develop that skill because we had every Saturday or every Wednesday, we'd have those like battles, small area games, those little tournaments that we'd sign up for. And that was ultra important to my ability to anticipate and understand and, mm-hmm. react, and react to the play. Yeah. And so you need environment changes to learn, right? Like if you only ever do two on one in flow drills, there's just this huge, every day, there is this huge amount of time in practice for all players, four and D goalies, where they are not practicing the way that they're going to try to score in games, really. That just, you, at all. You, when you said that, it just, I could, ice is so expensive and you're, yep. you get an hour of it. And you're telling me that you spend the first their half of it doing nothing that's actually beneficial. If you want to do a flow drill to get the hands going, it should be the first five minutes maybe for the players. Hands going for the players. First five minutes, and then we need to get into two on ones, three on twos. Because also, like, look, I know, I know when you do a flow drill or like you'll do like the four line Swedish neutral zone and stuff. 
like players will blow it up and they can't handle passes. Yeah. Doing more Neither of that, doing more of that is probably not going to help. Like they're still going to blow no. it up. So if they're going to learn how to handle a pass, they need to be able to handle a pass on a two on one with a three on two. They need to be able to understand, okay, like a player, it's the same for goalies. The goalies need to understand where players go. Players need to understand where to cut. And it's actually crazy because like I, I made a post how about how some of the best shooters and the smartest shooters that I've been with are the ones that shoot on goalies consistently because they learn, they listen, whether it's through osmosis or they're actively learning. But like I've started to pick up skill stuff for shooters and like now I get shooters. I'm like, well, why like your your hips, why are your hips like that? And so I'm learning yeah. too. But like your players, they need to have that l- deliberate practice and flow is not deliberate. Flow is a warm up. Warm need to be quick. Really, really quick. Yeah. And so everyone should hold their horses and wait a few months and we'll have some work hopefully published that kind of highlights or talks about some of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing that I want to tie into what you just said there. But yeah, like a, if I could design a perfect practice that is for a team and a goalies are benefited because goalies are part of the team. Uh, it's like, yeah, a five minute warm up. It can be again, like yeah, Swedish neutral zone, whatever. Canada Cup for all I care where you make a I, I, you know what I like Canada Cup I like Canada Cup if the the players keep their passes under 10 feet if their goal is to have no missed passes if you do if you do Canada Cup properly there should be zero blown up there should be zero missed passes because it should be small tape to tape passes and then small or if you're not going tape to tape put it in an area I don't think players put enough area passes especially in, in practice they try to make these huge stretch passes and it's like first of all you're not making those in the game you see that pass in a game and I watch you go off the glass every time anyway. So just yep. put it in an yeah. area, be creative. Um, but yeah, then going into some kind of more intentful two-on-one, three-on-two net drive-based drills where they're, you know, zone rushes. And then from there, you should be like 12 to 14 minutes into your practice and you should be right into a small area game. Like right into something that gets high touches. There's even an argument, Jamie, to go warm-up drill right into small area game after that. Because then you get a ton and ton and ton of touches, and then you can then slow it down and back it up. And so, yes, uh, I know this. I would, I would a hundred percent agree with you on all of these. So now, like I know, right, we're kind of sort of getting off the rails, not in a bad way, because now there's just hypotheticals. But we talked, we've talked about VR in the past. Do you think that there is a there's a a place for something like a VR as a possible pre practice warm up? I guess it doesn't have to be VR. It could just be any sort of, whether it's using ball, like the juggling the balls, or if you're a player, like most rinks have like a shooting pad. Just you today? Wh- what rinks are you going to? I've been to some really good rinks. I mean, like, Literally, obviously, holy cow. Not like Tech. Like Tech has a sick one. We're not talking about like rapid shot or stuff. Just like there's a piece of synthetic ice and there's a net. And the net is like falling apart because it's been shot on so many times. But I wonder if there is a place where just you know you could make it set up where you have you have a little bit of synthetic ice and you have your players they come over five to ten minutes and they just work on passing stick handling with a shot and then then when they hop on the ice if you do that flow drill can you cut it down to three to four minutes are they going to be more dialed because they've had a little bit of time to warm up so including hand warm-up as part of a dynamic warm-up jamie sounds like a study you could do so that's yeah, something we could probably say. And I'm going to go through the IRB. and <laughs> Sounds like a study I can do, um, which would just involve me. Yeah. You're the study guy. That way you just continue going to school forever. And then I apply all your data. 
but no, I think, yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges, and again, this is coming back to the goaltending is like flow drills and two on one drills, they get blown up because sometimes our lovely forwards and our D in front of us um, aren't always, you know, taking it super seriously. They're kind They're of not being perfect. Silly, which is, no, and no one is. I mean, a lot of times, especially like minor junior hockey, like everyone, you are essentially children. And that's okay. Kids are allowed to make mistakes. They should make mistakes. Mistakes actually help you learn. But those mistakes only help you learn if you're trying to learn them, if you're taking it seriously, right? So the thing about practice is you might be on the ice for an hour, but you're probably only doing stuff for like 35 to 40 minutes of it. Yeah. So, right? So you have, when it's your rep, when it's your chance to go, make it, make it count. And that goes to for goalies, right? Like you want to make every rep count in a way that allows you to do that throughout the practice, right? Which kind of ties us back to our original point is don't tire yourself out on doing too much when you don't need to, when it's not going to have the best translations, right? Spend your energy, spend your intensity, spend your focus on maybe the 20 minutes of that practice mm-hmm. where you can, where you can get that purposeful design practice that's intentful, that's difficult that is forcing you to make decisions and read plays, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be times where practice should be easier and there's times where practice should be harder, but you can control that, your own environment a little bit as a goalie because you're not designing your own team practice anyway. But I know we'll do practice habits and maybe that's next week, Jamie. We just jump right into practice habits after, but this kind of ties into what I think is goalies' responsibilities in practice. Uh, is you ha- It's your job to get something out of every drill. So you have to figure out what it is you can get out of it. That's true. Yeah. No, that, that, that is true. And it's, we, we can harp on it again and again, but I think, I think ultimately there needs to be like some more that discussion and the application needs to come either from the organization, which is why it's important to have like, I like qualified goalie coaches in the organization focusing on goalie development. Uh, I know that's a position that doesn't actually exist or when you're like, Hey, I'm the head of goalie development for so-and-so hockey club doesn't actually mean anything doesn't mean anything there's like no input so it's like it's being active if you're like a goalie coach if you're a a non-goalie coach actively bringing in your goalie coaches and seeing what their thoughts are and their opinions um it's an uphill battle for us but ben you are fighting the good fight by doing actual research empirical research Mm -hmm. so yes that that some coach is gonna look at and be like and throw it out you just got (laughs) nerd Nerds. Someone's like, gonna, I, someone's gonna I look played, at it and be like, "What does regression mean?" I played junior B and we didn't do this back in junior B and we won the Sutherland Cup and you couldn't tell us. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We're just trying to. Everyone's trying to make things, uh, you know, a little bit better. I know, Jimmy. That's what I, I had. For, that's, that's what I had for practice. Just, but oh well. Yeah. No, I'm with you. But it's what I have for practice. I had one topic left to wrap it up. Something that I wanted to save for the end. It's also a bit of a science discussion. Did you see? what Kyle Dubas is doing in Pittsburgh with his goalies. I did not. And you... He is making like them it. wear... Yeah, he's making them wear all white pads. God, are we, are we doing this again? We're back on it. It's 2010 again. We're right back where we started, Jamie. Pittsburgh Penguins have to wear majority or all white pads this year. Jamie, we have three minutes to discuss this. What do you think? Doesn't matter. Literally doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like I know, I know. Like there was that one kind of, was it study or was it anecdotal talking about like how players perceived colored things differently? Um, I've worn majority. It's just a color theory. Yeah, I, I've major. I've worn majority white and I've worn super dark. And I will tell you that 
anecdotally from players harder for them to pick up pucks off of black pads and dark pads and i've never once had a player say i see less net because your pads are white so i have so i agree with you i have two things here one what is the color of most pads kids wear growing up jimmy white they're white so from a learning perspective children all the way up to when they become professional athletes spend all their life practicing on goalies who wear what color pads white white so it's not like oh no holy cow it's white pads i've never seen those before right there's not like this is some sudden shock uh, that that professional like players have literally trained to identify around white equipment it's it's literally what they've done their whole life so um it's a little gimmicky the other side of it too and there's definitely some some research that could be done and i think it'd be a really interesting question i know that there's lots of nhl teams that are doing gaze behavior research there's actually a gaze behavior and scanning phd position at uh the norwegian institute of sports sciences with the pittsburgh penguins so pittsburgh is on that cutting edge research train uh, which is what makes this decision kind of interesting to me but when you know really elite athletes are scanning for what part of the nets are open they pick up the posts as their reference point of wait are you those really dark red or blue if you're playing east coast league objects that is what they're seeing yes yes i hate to be the one to say this but but the thing that players are, are landmarking off is the crossbar in the post which is a different color than white um and so I, I can I know someone listening will be like, well, if someone's eyes naturally pick up dark, then wouldn't they be less likely to pick up light, meaning that when they shoot it, they're gonna shoot it with light pads. It it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter because the, the pads aren't changing size and Oh god, it's it you know what, like whatever. And and there's been many, many, many GM <laughs> there's many GMs that have made this thing and honestly yeah. if you look at the goalies numbers it doesn't matter actually sometimes the goalies are actually terrible objectively in terms of their their peers in the nhl um it doesn't matter man it, it just genuinely doesn't actually matter and so if i was a gm obviously i'm biased on my goalie i would want my goalies to wear whatever they want because yeah. that is where they feel comfortable in. that they feel the most comfortable what if you had a guy that's always worn dark pads his entire career and you tell me you have to wear light pads that's going to do more messing up his mind than the possible hypothetical of some players seeing less net or shoot. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Jari wore, Jari wore black pads last year. So we're black and yellow pads. So he's making a pretty harsh jump. But I mean, I think, again, this is super anecdotally, although there is a little bit of like evaluative data around goalies. Like for example, UC Saros had one of the best seasons we've seen in a long time last year. Uh, all yellow pads. Ilya so Sorokin, here's, great, yeah. great goalie in New York. All white pads. Like just... here, here, here's a here's my hot, super hot take. If your goalie is very good, doesn't matter the type of pads he wears because he's still very good. Ooh. Ah, ready to go in, Jamie? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's cutting edge, but it's it's true. Carey Price wore all red. Uh, Bennington wore blue when they won the Stanley Cup. I think like it's it just doesn't matter. Um, it's, I understand trying to give yourself that any edge you can get, right? It's a game of inches and hockey's a game with a ton of variance, right? Where it's not super consistent. 
the best team does not always win. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I understand trying to give yourself every single percentage point, but I'd imagine, like you said, Jamie, I think that's probably the place to kind of wrap up. We always talk about so much of the research tells us that the best thing we can do equipment wise is be comfortable, right? From a health perspective. And that includes a psychological health perspective, right? Every goalie, like we, we talked about TPS last week and everyone jumped in. They love talking about gear. We're goalies. We're obsessed with the equipment. And I know about you, Jamie, one of my favorite parts each year, especially as I got older and I could design all my equipment um, each year, is the thought process of making your gear yours for that season. Right? Oh, oh so I much wish, fun. I wish I had DigiPrint back when I played. Back like towards did the, you, when you I was wore, younger. You wore I did. green when I, was, when I was younger. When you were I a mean, blue team. When I was younger. Yeah, because I was called getting yeah. traded Ben. <laughs> Some of us didn't play pro and didn't have to have to get traded, Jamie. Some of us just <laughs> stopped playing. Um, but yeah, and so I think that's <laughs> I think that's where I want to like I wanted to bring that up because I think it's going to be interesting, and I'm sure we're going to soundbite that one for Instagram. Is what what exactly is happening in Pittsburgh and why is equipment looking that way? Is it bad that so I'm sort of like I went from like rooting for Pittsburgh to sort of like Loki actively rooting against? <laughs> yeah, because again, like there's in you know hockey's really bad for this in general but we don't let the athletes like be creative and show emotion and and all this stuff and look we're goalies we love our gear we're a little bit weird but man i would be so bummed out especially with again especially with yellow and black like the pittsburgh jerseys are nice yellow and black makes a really nice colorway i know you're biased go Teco. um but it's just like man i'm disappointed i really like jari's vons from last year i'm already a little sad that he wasn't going to do something new. So I know. Well, it is what it is. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, like we always say, like, comment, subscribe, give us a rating uh, on our your Spotify app podcast, whatever we're on. Um, all of them. We're on all of them. All of them. Patreon, I'm there. Help support the pod, maybe get banned on the payroll. But also, there's a new newsletter coming out, EGM weekly. Um, you can find that on my Instagram and sign up. So lots of cool things. I'm going to be using that as a therapy session for venting. Ben is also going to contribute every now and then with some science. Um, we're talking a lot of things, goaltending, may even throw some data, some updates from Ooh. all. It's not just what am I doing and what are we doing? It's updates from all around the goaltending world and dots and stuff. So give that a, a subscribe because it's just another avenue to, to kind of scratch that goalie itch. I think right now it's every Sunday, but I think I'm going to release it every Saturday just because it's a little bit easier on us. But Ben, do you have anything to add? I don't. I think we can... Look, I think we can make practice better. And I think part of making practice better is goalies making better decisions at their own practices. So, you know, we like to talk about it. Yep, exactly. We like to talk about changing systems. And I think there is good progress being made, but it also falls on the shoulders of our athletes too, right? Make the most of your time, make good decisions, try to get better and try to bring your good habits that you spend working with Jamie and bring them into your own team practices because it doesn't matter how many sessions you do with Jamie if you're not bringing that stuff into your practices because it's never going to get to games. Correct. Awesome. Until next time, Jamie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.